When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Brandon. Yes. I'm still pretty mad at you for stealing my fucking bit last week. Bam, 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 bam. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. This may come as a shock to you, but Alex is not here this week. So (laughs) it is just me and Matthew Soma, um, you know, scheduling and stuff. And, and, you know, I'm kidding when I say that because. He wanted to record tomorrow night, and I can't do it tomorrow night. So, you know, the fault's not all his. We just, uh, it's just how it works sometimes, right? But anyway, last night we saw the Carolina Hurricanes bounce back from their first loss of this young season with a very, very impressive win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to talk a lot about that in just a minute, and we'll talk about the Florida game as well. And we're going to jump into some prospect stuff too. So, Probably not a super long episode this week. It's been a little bit quiet here in Canes land. Only two games in the last eight days. Um, This is a bit of a lull portion of the schedule. Um, We do have the back-to-back this weekend with the Philadelphia Flyers and St. Louis Blues before the Hurricanes embark on a Western Conference road swing. But back to last week. I guess we'll start with Florida. And... I mean, it was really just a burn the tape kind of game, you know, Um, they didn't start well. I I put out an article that was literally talking about what had been ailing the Hurricanes for a few games. You know, it wasn't just that Florida game, although the Florida game was really a culmination of it. And the first time they really been hurt by it, Um, slow starts, terrible discipline. Um, And I mean, the Panthers just kind of boat raced them in the first period. They came out hungry. They came out you know, they had only had one overtime loss at that point, and they wanted to be the team to knock the Hurricanes off their perch as the last unbeaten team. And they showed it. They came out hungry. They were without Barkov. They were out without Bobrovsky. And it uh, didn't matter at all. They just, I mean, they were very, very impressive that night. Uh, and the Hurricanes kind of got to their game a little bit. And, you know, the third period was probably their best, oddly enough, which I don't even think they scored in that period. But it was far too little too late. So, I mean, you have any thoughts you want to add on that game? I mean, it's a long season, right? Like, you're not going to have it every night, and the Hurricanes definitely didn't that night. Yeah, and I mean, so I was told to go back and watch the game because, you know, I was I was out that night. I went to a Charlotte Checkers game because I was visiting a friend, right? But I watched it, and what frustrates me the most is – how sometimes the team 
can cave a bit when there's an injury. Yeah. Yes, Brett Pesci is a very important piece to this team. But there are 17 other guys on the roster, right? Well, 19, but yeah. 19, but, you know, 17 other skaters. Right. And so one player, yes, is important, but you've got 17 other guys that should be able to make a difference other than your goalie. Right. So that's what frustrates me the most is that how when the team has an injury, regardless of who it is, it's like all hell breaks loose in the worst possible way. And it did that against Florida. I granted, I know Nino was also out, but there's also no reason why the Hurricanes should be taking as many penalties as they are right now. That's a huge concern. And it's getting to the point where it's not the refs. Like, you know, we were talking about NHL officiating all of last season, right? Right. Yeah, there have been some softies, but there have been softies all year for every single hockey team. The problem is that with the Hurricanes playing as aggressive of a style as they do, sometimes you take a boneheaded penalty because you're not thinking or you're not thinking up to the speed of the play. Well, a lot of them are lazy penalties too, like sticking fractions, not moving your feet. You're not working to get in position to defend properly. And then you're bringing your stick up or slashing somebody or trying to use your stick to impede. And that's, I mean, that's my coaches always used to scream at us for those. Those are lazy penalties. Yeah. And Svetch takes a lot of those. Absolutely. I think the Florida game was Tony D'Angelo's worst as a hurricane. Yeah. He was really bad. That him and Shea both really. Yeah. Shea, you know, almost made up for it. Poor guy. God. (laughs) We'll get into that more in a minute. But poor guy. Seriously. Yeah. Poor guy. You saw his reaction on the bench and he was like, ah, well, you know. I'm just never going to score. Like, it's just, it's just not allowed. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Well, you know. I think that he and D'Angelo had a rough game. Yeah. And, you know, it's okay. Players are allowed to have every one of those. Of course, you know, D'Angelo's bad games are going to be magnified because, you know, the consequences of his own actions, right? Right. But at the same time, I don't think many players on the Hurricanes looked good in that first period. And usually with the Canes, all it takes is one bad period. Yeah. But I will say, you know, it really sucks about Ranta, man. Yeah. I mean, that whole play was, uh, I was watching it and it just flashbacks to the David Ayers game. Yep. Absolutely. Like terrifying <laughs> seeing that, um, you know, the discourse about the major penalty is stupid. Like it happened, move on. McCain scored one goal. It was a five, two win for the Panthers. Shut the hell up. Right. Yeah. I like, wouldn't have played a major either for what it's worth, but you know, and you can't use the, Oh, big market gets the call joke. Cause uh, well, <laughs> you know right um yeah it's definitely a burn the tape game and then the tampa game though was really good and anderson although he faced i think like half as many shots was way better than vasilevsky in that game yeah well, Vasilevsky was ridiculous too, but Anderson and I saw actually in one of Sarah's article or the one that she put out today, and it was vibe check, you know, things she always does. Yeah. And somebody had said, Oh crap. Now I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was like epic when needed or something like that. <laughs> like, like basically saying he wasn't 
cuss it often, but like he was awesome when he was. And she commented that it was just like, it's a great term. And it, it, it very fitting. Um, like, cause he wasn't, what was he 17, 18 shots the entire game. And, but it seemed like half of I'd those say, were grade A chances. Like, yeah, I would say at least chances. 10 of them were phenomenal chances. Right. So to your point, Anderson was fantastic. Um, and that's, the Oregon's going to need him to be, uh, and he's going to have to carry a big workload now, which will, I mean, Alex Lyon's probably going to get a start this weekend, uh, I would assume, uh, with the back-to-back. Maybe not. Maybe Rod will roll with Anderson in both. Um, but, I, you know, I think some of us were kind of concerned after the Florida game that maybe his workload was starting to wear on him. And that was a point I made that that's kind of why the Branta injury is really, really poorly timed. Because I feel like we were probably about to start seeing a little bit more of an even split. And then as soon as that happens, Branta gets hurt, obviously. And now if you want to do that, you're going to have to give a big load of starts to Alex Lyon, who in his NHL career has not really been great. Good, good AHL, you know, depth goalie. Not great when pressing NHL duty. Granted, that was in Philadelphia. Their defense has been hit or miss at times. So who knows what he'll do here. But uh, obviously going from Ranta to Lyon is a pretty big drop off. Yeah. Um, uh, and Lyon's the right call. I know. <laughs> E2 season? No. Yeah, but. right. <laughs> it's it's the right call because, for one, he has NHL experience. And, two, um, you know, it's it's kind of nice to – hopefully get Makinami a couple starts this weekend yeah and back warm you know maybe give one to Maki one to warm you know I don't know but I think the more that I see Anderson play the more I'm like you know this is the guy moving forward he's not I think it's his job to lose more than it is Ranta's job to win yeah, I mean, he's been everything the Hurricanes asked for and more, right? You know, we've talked about him a lot on this show for good reason. And, I mean, he just continues to pass every test, really. I mean, the Florida game, again, nobody was on. Even the goals, except for that one where he kind of got caught out of the crease. Um, even then, like, all those goals were like a, t- like a multi-layered screen and a heavy shot earmarked for the corner. And even yeah, the first goal was like bare. Get three power play goals. Right, three power play, exactly. So – Kind of hard to put too much of that on him when the team in front of him is doing absolutely nothing to help him. Burn the tape on that one. And now we move into the um, Tampa Bay game. And, you know, I, I'll admit I was a little bit nervous because this is a rough stretch of games right here. You're going to Tampa Bay off that Florida loss. And then you move into this weekend. And uh, St. Louis and Philadelphia have both been really good this year. So those are two tough games. And you kind of worry that maybe they would fall into a little bit of a slide coming off that great winning streak. But – I want to highlight Ian Cole real quick. And this is a guy that, you know, I've already been kind of having some thoughts that like he may be one of the most important pieces in taking the Hurricanes into the next step, actually, just because of how much of a veteran leader he is and how much he's done for that third pairing. Ian Cole has been phenomenal in his role this year, phenomenal defensively. And I, I think it's bringing a little bit of a, I mean, he's just been a presence in the locker room, too. And you could tell by his comments the day of the Tampa Bay game because he really came to the rink and said, like, basically had a very no nonsense. This is not okay," kind of attitude saying, you know, good teams, injuries don't matter. You know, good teams fight through injuries. Good teams bounce back from bad games. And I I even said during the game, 
it might have been after Tavo scored, or it might have even been before. I know I was thinking it even before. Regardless of the outcome of that game, if Vasilevsky would have stolen it, that game would win the Hurricanes a lot of games. Like the game they played, that was the Hurricanes style of hockey. And they finally got rewarded for it in the end. But you can just tell they came out with a much better, different mindset and, you know, kind of carried what Cole said that morning into action and said, you know, this, we're going to bounce back. We're going to play our game. And they didn't let the, you know, one bad game turn into multiple bad games. They bounced right back and got a very, very impressive road win against the two-time defending champs. So I, I just wanted to point that out a little bit. Like I said, Ian Cole, been a huge pickup for the Hurricanes so far. Yeah. And, you know, even if he's not like one of the, quote, leaders on the team, I think Brenda Moore's made it pretty clear that everybody has to be a leader on this team. Yeah, and we've seen that from like lots of different players at times, you know. Um, you know, Jordan Stahl hasn't put up huge numbers this year, but he's been fantastic, and he pretty much always your on ice leader. But Aho has stepped up and done the same on multiple occasions. Um, I mean, even Sveshnikov at times has really kind of shown he is young and like a kid on the team, but he's still an on ice leader and a guy that the you know Kane's definitely feed off of, and he's definitely had moments where the team's really fed off of him. I thought he was great last night in Tampa Bay. Um, super physical, just great all-around game for him. His defensive game has come so far in the last you know year even. Um, he made multiple plays, saved a goal last night with the stick check, uh, lifting the stick on a backdoor play. I mean, just Svechnikov has really turned into the superstar where the Hurricanes always hoped he would be. Obviously, the points have been there. Um, the discipline is still a big problem. We already touched on that. But yeah, I was uh, just about <laughs> to say, stop taking so many penalties. <laughs> right. But other than that, I mean – to your point, lots of leaders on this team, lots of guys that have stepped up. Um, and also that speaks to your depth. You know, it's another thing we've talked about a lot here. Um, there's a lot of different players on this team that at different times have kind of stepped up and been the guy. Yeah. The one, I mean, there's a few holes on the team right now, I think. And there were a few times in that game where I was like, man, like this team is good. But, yeah, like the phrase after that changed a couple times throughout the night. <laughs> like, this team is good, but they'd be better if Stevie could finish <laughs> any of, like, the three golden opportunities he gets a game. Yeah, it seems like every game, man. He's, he's breaking like Every game he's within, like, two, three inches of scoring, but he needs to be two, three inches into the back of the net. <laughs> like... You know, hopefully that will develop and hopefully that will come. But for now, I'm like, man, how many games? Well, obviously, you know, we'd still be, you know, 10, 1 and 0. But like, how many more games over the course of the season would that make a difference in, you know? Yeah, I'm sure a lot. And it's like, I've seen finishing ability and skill from him in the AHL. You know, he's not like a star. He, I never projected him to into a top six, but like, He's shown the ability to put the puck in the net in like impressive fashion in the past. Yeah. It's just There's more offense to be to be had. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we I might get a confidence that. thing, maybe. Like it's it's a confidence. No. I, I just think, you know what? Like that line's been good. And if we can get offense from them, awesome. Because as we've seen yeah. with the canes, sometimes all it takes is one goal to get the team rolling. Yeah. Um and then I think their offense as a whole is in a little bit of a lull right now. Cause even like Aho has been pretty quiet lately. 
Um, you know, not that he's been bad. Aho is still Aho, even when he's struggling <laughs> a little bit. But like, we're about due for a signature like two goal and an assist hat trick, like big performance where he just basically single handedly wins a game, right? I mean, I think so. Sebastian Aho is a flyer killer. Yeah, that's very true. So, so look at this weekend. Maybe we'll <laughs> see that on Friday night. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, the the second, you know, this team is good, but it goes back to last week. This team is good, but they're not getting anything out of Yasperi Kotkaniemi. Not right now. They're not, for sure. Nothing. So last night is they need to play Montreal again to get him going. I, I, last night, I just said he does nothing on either side of the puck to make him worth my my time at this point. Not turning on the guy just yet, but like... He can't pass. He can't make plays. Like offense typically dies when it's on his stick. He'll turn the puck over in like the silliest way possible. He's been fighting his hands really bad. Like just losing the puck and just not. It's so bad. And like, I think it's a confidence thing. Yeah. But at some point you have to sit there and be like, listen, you're in the NHL. You're making $6.1 million. You're 21 years old. That's a grown man. You need to be better. He's got to be stronger on the puck, really. And he's he's hesitating a lot. Like, there's plays there to be made. And he just kind of, like, takes a second and, like, you know. I'm giving it 10 more games. <laughs> I'm giving it 10 more games before I'm, like, you know what? This experiment has failed. And I could be wrong after 20. I feel like that still could be premature because, I mean. That's a quarter of the season, though, man. Yeah, but I feel like right now they're really trying to figure out how to put him in best position to succeed. And I'm not sure Ross necessarily the best guy to do that. (laughs) Like, we'll get into some line stuff in a minute. But, like. He's put put him with. Aho and Tara Vine. He's really good then, though, for the most part. noticeable on those lines. No, no. I, I think that's a little short selling him. I think he had some really good games up there. And then when he got moved down the lineup, he's just not really finding the chemistry. And maybe it even got in his head a little bit when he got moved down, which that's a problem if that's actually true. So I hope that's not the case. Like you this get is a hot down. take here. Let, okay. me, let, me, let me hit you with this. And this, that, I'm fully prepared to eat shit on this if I have to. KK Aho Teravainen was worse than Martinuk Aho Teravainen. KK does nothing. Martinuk at least plays with pace and will be physical in the offensive zone. KK did nothing and offense dies when it's on his stick. Offense dies when it's on Martinuk's stick, but at least he'll try. And I get a lot of the sense that KK is hesitant to not only just play physically, but just to play. I don't know what it is. He's in his head. And again, like, I don't like Martin Okaho Teravine. And I think that's one of the worst line combinations you can put out there if you're the Hurricanes. Yeah. But I haven't liked KK at all this season. I'm going to be honest. I'm not quite there. Um, I I totally agree that they need a lot more out of him. But I I, I don't know. Something. Like, yeah, something that does seem a little bit off with him, but I, even I'm if he just got to... to make passes that were like simple passes, he can't even make those right now. Yeah, 
But it's I mean, so, hey, and, Svech had a stretch like that last year too. Okay, like I, yeah, I, I but Svech was at least getting like an assist or two. Yeah, but it's it's still a very small sample. He's still moving to a new team. Like he's still fitting in here. It, it's little small of a sample size for me. It's ten games, basically eleven. Yeah, it's just frustrating because you're you're paying a lot of money for a guy that hasn't proven himself. Yeah, and you gave up two pretty decent draft picks to get him yeah and that's so, the great part to me it's not really just like this stretch it's just the long term like there definitely isn't a guarantee that Kakanyemi becomes what the Hurricanes hope he can become but I you know well we just got to see in a bigger sample and how the rest of the season unfolds with him I'm hoping that like a lot of the defensemen that first came here they kind of struggle to fit in and get used to the system at first and then once they got a little bit more acclimated they basically turn into new players you know we saw that with a lot of guys jake gardner dougie hamilton even um so hopefully it's kind of a similar situation with kk yeah hopefully so and again like you know if again i'll give it like nine ten more games and i'll see where we're at then but like you just need to start seeing some improvement that's all we, we need. i just i need to see like even the tiniest iota that he is getting it that something is changing because right now it's like when he's on the ice you either don't notice him or you notice him turning the puck over right and like again i'm not ready to start hating on the guy i'm not ready to start saying this was a failed experiment yet i'm just like the canes need to start getting something from him and getting something from him soon or we will see him on the fourth line because yeah yeah like once nino gets back you know Jarvis isn't the one that needs to come out. <laughs> What'd you say? Jarvis isn't the one that will need to come out. Well, Jarvis will probably get sent back to the W, but. I don't know. That's another. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into this now, because this is kind of where I wanted to go next anyway. And I think that same article, maybe, that Sarah that I mentioned earlier from Sarah Sivian um, no, was no, talking no. about. She doesn't think that Jarvis is going to go back to the W. I'm pretty sure she said something along those lines. Um, cause Rod has started to flirt with putting him higher in the lineup. We've seen that in each of the last two games. And I mean, the kid just can, like, it's a balance because, you know, as we've said many times, you don't want to push this 19 year old kid into the fire and have him, you know, fall on his face and potentially hamper his development down the road. But I feel like every situation the Hurricanes have put him in, he's succeeded. He's made plays every game. He's been good defensively. He's been good in all three zones, really. He's been a great on zone entries, getting into the offensive zone with possession. Like, you know, I'm not trying to pump the kids' tires too much or say he's the next, you know, oh, I, I really am not trying to. <laughs> like, it's hard to sometimes, though, because I, you know, everything I've seen out of this kid makes me think he's going to be a star at the NHL level. And maybe he's ready, you know, maybe he's ready if they start, you know, pumping him into the or um, moving him up the lineup and giving him a chance to take off i don't know you know it, i don't i don't envy rod brendan more having to make this decision and don why don't have any um because and it is Brendan, really- don't worry about the ajo comparison you're talking to the guy that thinks tuka tiaxalo could be the next like terrifying <laughs> right. so you know that's like, actually a guy i wanted to ask you about we'll, we'll get it. we're gonna do some prospects we'll talk, we'll talk to so. it later yeah we'll get into that in a little yeah. bit jarvis looks good and he, he's at least knocking on the doorstep of offensive production 
like in terms of points i mean right every game like there's i don't think there's a single person who has watched the carolina hurricane well there's probably one who's sitting there saying that jarvis good dab rams like jarvis is jarvis has been yeah it's definitely dab rams <laughs> jarvis has been good and he's he's <laughs> he's producing offensively um i i think yeah, like you said, it's tough, man. Rod Brindamore has a tough decision coming up because once Nino comes back, and if you want to keep Jarvis in the lineup, who comes out? Yeah. Do you take Martinuk out? No, he's on a three-year deal. Stepan's been great. Even Stevie's looked really good. Stevie's been done everything except finishing. I've been yeah. Very, Chances very- are though, Stevie's yeah. the guy to come out, and it sucks because yeah. be like. Right. And I don't want that to happen. I don't either because I don't want them to keep Jarvis on the fourth line more than anything else. No, I don't, again, I don't want them to keep Jarvis play. I, you need to put somebody that can finish on his line because yeah. he makes so many plays. And he needs somebody that can not only keep up with him mentally, but keep up with him on the ice. Yeah. And, like you know, Derek Stepan's legs aren't with him. <laughs> Nah, not at this stage of his career. They're not for sure. Um, Isn't he like twenty nine? Stepon? Wait, let me check this. Eric Stepon is thirty one. Holy shit! Yeah, it wasn't that far off. Wow, I did not realize that. It's just because he's his legs aren't there as much. Oh, I don't think he was ever like a fantastic skater. No, but he had another step than he does now. Yeah, but I I still think you know he's playing well on the fourth line. He's been in the league for eleven years, so I guess it feels like it's ah, uh, that's what it is. He broke in at what twenty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll do it. This is twelve NHL season. Again, once this team gets fully healthy again, if you keep Jarvis in this lineup, it's gonna be tough for a lot of teams to beat the Carolina Hurricanes this year. Oh yeah. Like I know we're sitting on 10, 10, 1 and 0. Like, you know, that's that's a solid record, but like it's gonna be tough for teams to beat us. And it's tough for teams to beat us even now when we're missing two top players. Because I mean Brendan Smith has been fine. Yeah. In these games, right? Yeah, I thought he's been um, fine. He's been physical. Um, yeah, he's been fine. Yeah. As long as you know we don't have any like extended shifts with him on the ice, I think we're fine. Right. I think, you know, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat this team this year. And I don't know, it's gotten to the point where I'm excited for every game now. It, it, even the games like Tampa, I was excited for the Tampa game. Like, I'm not usually excited to play one of the top teams because usually that's when the Canes get shown why they're not a top team. But instead, they're showing why they are and like how they bounce back from like just not having it at all. No, but the Lightning didn't have Kucherov. The Canes are missing Pesci and Niederreiter. Shut up. Right. So that's that's my takes on, on these two games. I think the team's rounding into form. There's just a few minor things that I would, that I think could bump this team up to an even higher level than what they're playing right, at right now. And one thing you didn't even mention was the power play. Was the power play bad? You didn't watch last night? 
Oh, we didn't score when the goalie was missing his skate on a five on three. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was pretty ugly. I, I don't really know. It was just weird. Um, <laughs> There's I don't too know. much passing right now and not yeah, enough just not enough conviction. Yeah. You're not, not conviction, not enough movement without the puck, which is something I've harped on for forever. And yeah, it's just like somebody shoot the damn puck, guys. <laughs> like Jesus well, Christ. It's it's also the reason why nobody's shooting is because the defense is staying in the lanes. They're not spreading out the defense because they're only working the puck down to the half wall or like to top of the circles to the point, to the other circle, to the point, to the other circle, to the point. It's, it's just those three guys getting it. And occasionally they'll get it down low, but by that point, they already know what's coming. Like you have to spread out the defense. You have to move the puck from high to low, low to high. Right. And last and night, saw the only exactly. reason the you only reason they got that goal though was because Nolan Foot overcommitted high, and that like it was five on four, and it, it. But okay, but this also kind of goes along with your point because there was like a little bit of a scramble, um, like the defense just got you know because it might have been after a shot. I don't even remember exactly at this point, but shots tend to create chaos because the defense has to react to where that rebound goes. And they're going to have to collapse in a lot of cases to make sure that, you know, the off the power play doesn't get to that rebound or that a lane doesn't open up off of that rebound. And uh, Nolan foot kind of after that shot, he was kind of in scramble mode. The puck goes back high and he, for some reason, decided to go be a forward and go cover high so all, you know, D'Angelo went across to Sveshnikov. He went down low to Trocek. At that point, Hedman was the only defender low. Easy seam pass, easy empty net goal for Taylor Teravainen. But those are the kind of opportunities you have to try to create. Like, um, you have to put that kind of stress to open up those seam passes. And that, you know, one of the best ways to do that in basketball, the best time to shoot a three is often off of an offensive rebound because the defense is, is scrambled. It's very similar in hockey on a power play because – off of that rebound, a scene pass is probably going to be there. Real quick, I, I know we've been talking for like a few minutes, but it's Cal Foot. We've been calling him Nolan Foot. Is it really? Yeah, I just looked it up. Nolan Foot was drafted by Tampa, but then traded at the next deadline for I think Barkley Goodrow. Or no, yeah. uh, what's the guy's name? Miles Wood. No, he Wasn't played he for Detroit. Miles Wood deal? No, who was the guy from Detroit? Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miles Wood, Blake Coleman, same person. They're literally the same player. My bad. Um, I was on the right track there. I just got the name wrong for the second time in the segment. Yes, you're right. My bad. Um, his brother, Cal Foot, not Nolan Foot. Bad defense. Yes. Same point. Everything I said still stands. Just uh, got the name wrong. Thank you for correcting me there, Matt. Well, I think we've talked about those two games enough. Um Again, I mean, it really impressive showing coming off that Florida loss. Uh, and the Hurricanes should feel pretty good about where their game is at moving forward to this tough back-to-back they have this weekend. So that'll be fun to watch those two matchups, um, including Justin Fox return to PNC. Has he, has he been back yet? No. So St. Louis, we were supposed to play St. Louis the week after everything shut down. Okay. In, like, in PNC. Right. So... That would have been a big game. Uh, so this is Justin Fox's first game at PNC in a different uniform. That'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll see a uh, a nice tribute there for one of the best defensemen in franchise history. Really, um, I'm sure that'll be really cool to see. 
The crowd, um, the crowd reaction should be interesting to that one. I'm sure it'll be all positive. I don't see any reason to be have any animosity towards that. He was traded, you know. Yeah, but you know, he was. You know what though, and something I keep forgetting. Twitter's not a real place. <laughs> and the online portion of this fan base is a very small portion of this. Right. Fan base. It really so, is. So easy to forget that. I, I fall into that. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to be as bad as I thought it was just because I think the online fan base is so small and they honestly probably don't care about Justin Falk anymore either, you know? Right. All right. So I think we talked about these games enough. Uh, before we jump into anything else, Let's take a minute and get a quick word from DraftKings. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. They light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> All right. Um, what we're going to close out this episode with is just a little prospect talk. Um, you know, we normally do this most weeks anyway. Uh, and we have, I think we've done it at least once or twice this season, but we haven't talked about them too much. So let's go around and ask Mr. Kane's prospects himself. Why don't you give us some prospect updates? Anybody that's sticking out to you, my friend? All of them. <laughs> they are all <laughs> going to be superstars, and none of them are going to bust. They are. We exactly. have the greatest prospects in hockey. Yes, that's true. Um, Maddie Beneers, who? Yeah, don't know the guy. Um, you know... Most everybody is at least having a decent season, but there are very few of our prospects having great seasons right now. That's not like a huge cause for concern. Like Massimo Rizzo, Kevin Wall, all at least at a point per game or better in the NCAA. Scott Morrow. Excuse me. Grab about Morrow. Koivinen's having a really good season with 11 points in 19 games. Scott Morrow's on a three-game goal streak. And it looks like he's kind of, rounding into form. He's actually a point per game player too. Now um, Jackson yeah. Blake actually leads the USHL in scoring. Nice. Fun fact. Um, but for a lot of players, you know, uh, Anthony Honka, for instance, is having a, a bit of a down year or a bit of a slump, I guess I'll call it. Um, Panamariev just isn't playing. And when he's up with a, uh, you know, Spartak in the KHL, he's getting like less than a minute a game, usually. I've been watching Don Fensori a lot this year, or a lot this week, because um, Profile for Kane's Country is going to be coming out on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. And 
seven points in 10 games is really good, especially for a defenseman, but he could easily have a lot more if Boston University was even like remotely good. They're so bad. It, it, it's honestly like it wouldn't surprise me if Fensori is the best offensive player on his team. And the guy can't do everything by himself because he's more of a playmaker and like nobody on that team can finish. Hmm. Like, and the way their system works, it's so annoying. They run it through one of their other forwards on the point, and Fensori is just the other point man. But they don't do anything with him, even though he he's the best skating player in college hockey. One of them. He moves the puck just exceptionally well. And hockey sense wise, he's probably up there at least in like the top 10 of players in that league. Yeah. And they don't do anything with him. Like, you know, they, they always joke, like, let this player cook, but like seriously, just let Fensori cook. Yeah, he's definitely the type of player that, especially at the NCAA AA level, you kind of think they'd be running their offense through and just kind of letting him create because um, he has the skating ability and hands and passing ability to, you know, really create a lot of pressure. And He has all of the tools in the offensive zone. Mm-hmm. And Boston University is content with letting, like, freaking Tyler Boucher just fire wide shot after wide <laughs> shot. And it's like, I know they're a young team, and I know – they're lacking in legitimate talent. It's just frustrating because they have quite literally an elite offensive presence on the blue line that they're just not utilizing, which is so weird because David Ferentz wasn't, didn't have that problem. They ran their offense through David Ferentz. And now I think that Ferentz is gone. BU's coaching staff doesn't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) That might be harsh, but like, it's been it's been really frustrating watching how BU operates because Fensori just isn't utilized properly and it's so irritating. Right. That's my little soapbox for the night. <laughs> well, and there are uh, two other players I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about at least. Um, I think you just mentioned Kevin Wall a minute ago, and I know we talked about him before we jumped on. Um, you know, this is a guy that I've kind of talked about a few different times. Uh, in the past, you know, his first prospects camp, I was there covering it for Canes and Coffee. And he just was a guy that kind of stood out to me just in the way he moves the puck. Like he just has a lot of offensive tools that I, I thought stood out, you know, in that setting. And obviously that was years ago now, but the way he's gone to Penn State, they're not a good team this year. And he continues to get better. He continues to put the puck in the net for sure. Um I continue to think this is a guy that we could be looking for or looking at as maybe a third line depth scorer that can, you know, make some plays for you down the road. Yeah. And he, he's one of the, I think he's a pure goal scorer. I don't see a yeah. ton of playmaking upside, but I think he's a really good goal scorer. Yeah. Um, His shot. That was one of the things that really like stood out to me, even back then at that prospects camp and, you know, the way he's put up goals at the NCAA level, it kind of lends credence to that. Yeah, his shot is pretty close to NHL already, and I think he can just finish chances. Another player that I've kind of been happier with than maybe I should be is um, Thronen Seeley. Yeah. I thought he's looked really good for Everett, both just in all three zones. I think he's been just a steady presence. Like, 
I almost view him as like, you know, third pairing Jacob Slavin, like somebody that you can always depend upon to make the right play. I don't think Seeley's upside is anywhere close to like Slavin's a number one defenseman, right? You know, Seeley would, could be like a really good five or six, but similar like dependability, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I've been, I've been impressed with his play this season. Everett's a very weird team because they don't have a ton of talent, but they always like play well, you know. I think Seeley's really leading the charge there. Yeah. One other player I wanted to at least give you the chance to gush about or just to kind of give us an update on because I feel like we haven't talked about him as much as we normally do this year, and his numbers are kind of middling. And that is our boy, one of our absolute favorites, Tuka Tiexla. Uh, just three goals and an assist on the season, playing in 15 games. Um, what have you seen out of him this year? And is he still tracking properly? He's always been a little inconsistent at the right. legal level. And I think that if he gets to be, if he gets to play at a more consistent level, then I think the points will start to come. He's a very, very, very good player. It's just, he doesn't know how to always put it together. That's my issue. Um, and then I was talking with somebody the other day. I was like, if TX can get his stuff together this year, he could easily be like a top forward for Carpot. It's just, I don't know. Something about his, he just can't do it on a consistent basis at that level yet, which is fine, but something to keep an eye on. We don't want another Puistola on our hands. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't think he's a little bit more skilled than Puistola is. But all right. Well, I mean, that was just kind of a quick little rundown of uh, what's going on in prospect land. It's still early in the season for a lot of these guys. And I feel like almost with prospects, you know, almost like more than with like NHL players who often get off the slow starts and then start to kind of pick it up. I feel like every yeah. year there's a lot of prospects that like kind of start slow and you're kind of wondering what's going on. And then the second half of the year, Tiexla was a perfect example last year. Yeah. He really took off in the second half of the year and started to put up big numbers. Um, Bobby Orr is a player that I'm expecting to have a bigger stretch of games moving forward. Right. He's had a slow-ish start from a production standpoint as well. I noticed that earlier. Um, but, you know, lots of guys that we I'm sure will see start to take off and, you know, start to see their numbers pump up in a big way. And most importantly, we I don't have it marked down on my calendar, per se. Uh, you, I know you'd probably be surprised to hear that. I think the original diagnosis is four to six weeks, but Jamison Reese should be getting close to back. So very, very excited for that. I finally get to watch my boy again. I'm sure he'll be in the Hurricanes top six in the next few weeks. Yeah, it'll be exciting. And for now, you're not going to comment on my Hurricanes top six joke, but okay, it's cool. <laughs> I just chose to ignore it. No, I see that. It should be exciting. And you know what? Like, yeah, the future's bright as it always has been. Even though a couple of guys are off to slow starts, it's still a good future. But folks, we want to thank you for taking the time to tune in this week. We know that it's a bit of a shorter podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to get Alex on one of these podcasts eventually, you know. That'd be pretty crazy. I wonder what it's like to have him on. I don't think this ended up being as short as we thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's 8 o'clock. We've yeah. been like an hour. <laughs> we, we have loud mouths. Um, but yeah, we appreciate you all. And uh, I don't know if you guys heard. 
That's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.